Well, good morning, River Ridge. It's so good to see each and every one of you today. And for those of you joining us online, welcome into this place. We're so glad that you joined in with us. Well, obviously, I'm not Chad or Andy, but my name is Brandon. And if you've been here very long at all, you've probably are used to seeing me over in this direction with a guitar around my neck. I'm a little more comfortable over here. But today I'm gonna be trying out a new part of the stage and I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm on staff here at the church. I've been on staff for about four years. But before we join, I joined staff, uh, my wife, Erin and I, we've, we've attended River Ridge for about seven years total. And, and what River Ridge has done for us, it's providing healing in our marriage. It's provided a place for us to grow individually and collectively. And we have the most amazing home group. We've met some of our best friends who love us and love our family so well. And so if you're just now joining us or you're kind of checking it out or you're on the fringe a little bit, I mean, I wanna encourage you, jump all the way in because I promise you that it'll be worth it. There is nothing like having a community like this that loves and cares for you. So like I said, I've been on staff for the last four years or so and, and being on staff, I have the opportunity to do a lot of really cool things. But one of the things that I get to do that's not necessarily in my job description is I get to hang out with our students. And um, it's one of my favorite things that I get to do. And we just got back from an amazing week at Emerge Camp. And I could not even begin to describe and to tell you the ways that we saw God at work in and among our students. It, it was just so amazing. We have students that made decisions to follow Christ in salvation, that follow, they're following Christ into baptism, our baptism service that's gonna be happening next week. But, but what excites me, maybe even more than that, that we have students who are right here in the front that I love dearly, and they have been involved for the last few years, and they made these decisions a couple years back and they, they're sticking it out, that they're taking steps into leadership, that they're taking steps into discipleship groups, and they're just leading so well. Man, this past week was just so, so awesome. And, and on Wednesday and Thursday night, we had the opportunity to hear stu uh, testimonies from our students, and there was more than 85 students. I don't know the exact number, but I wish so badly that I could bring them here and line them up one by one by one, and then they could tell you their story. And you'd hear the heartache of what they've experienced, and you'd hear the joy in what Jesus has done in their lives. But I say this to say this, that we, we need you. Our students, they need you. They need your love and your acceptance and your care and your guidance. God is at work among us. And if you wanna get excited about what God is doing at River Ridge Church, and not just for the church of tomorrow, but the church of today, man, come check out these students. They're so amazing. And so another thing about these guys is they know how to worship Jesus wholeheartedly above anything else. And we had this awesome moment at camp where um, myself and some of the other worship leaders, we were able to step back from our microphones and just allow these students just to lead the room in worship. And so somebody sent me this video, I thought it was super cool. So check this out.
Man, isn't that just amazing? Come on, let's give it up for our students. They are so awesome. Well, today I have the privilege of sharing God's word with you and I could not feel more honored and excited to do that. And we're gonna be continuing in our relevant series. And I wanna encourage you that if you haven't um, been able to keep up the last couple weeks to go back and check it out because Chad and Andy have done such an amazing job to get us to the point at which we are at today. Last week, we talked about the fall of Jerusalem. Today, we are picking up the story in the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, go ahead and open them up to Daniel chapter one. We're gonna be starting in verse one. Daniel chapter one, verse one. All right, it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then the king commanded Aspenaz, his chief of the eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. Skip down to six. Among these were Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah of the tribe of Judah. So I want you guys to keep those scriptures in mind and we'll get back to the story in a minute. But I wanna ask you this question, how do we live the life that God wants for us when we don't get what we want? So how do we live the life, and you can throw that up if you have it, that God wants for us when we don't get what we want? See, for me, I was always a sports guy. And I would say that, that soccer is my favorite sport, but I went through this time in my life where I just, I really liked basketball. And I specifically liked WVU basketball. And there was this player by, by the name of Mike Gansey. Any Mike Gansey fans in the house? Come on, let's hear it, yeah. So uh, I love Mike Gansey. And I, I kind of uh, like tried to emulate my game after him. And so I used to love to watch him play. I remember there was one game in particular though, I was watching him and he was just doing so awesome for his team and he was making shots and playing hard defense and hustling all over the floor. And I remember in that moment, I was thinking to myself, that's it. That right there is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. I wanna grow up, I'm gonna get a lot taller and then I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to WVU and then I'm gonna earn my way into the NBA. As you can see, God had other plans for my life because I, I went to Marshall. Yeah, I, I get it, I get it. You think it's because I'm short. I know I am, okay? I'm insecure about it. Leave me alone. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, a more, more uh, serious example, I was in physical therapy school and, and I got to the last and final test of the semester. And I took the test. I found out a week later, a whole week later, that I had failed the final exam by one point, one point. And I remember those moments I thought to myself, God, I studied. God, it, this is the direction you want me to go. I feel like this was clear. And I began to ask God these questions. What am I gonna do with my life? What are you gonna do for me? And the next couple of months were some of the hardest months that I'd faced up to that point because I had to answer those tough questions. And, and maybe, maybe it wasn't school for you, but maybe you didn't get that job that you really wanted. And maybe you're in the middle of a divorce that, that you never saw coming. Maybe for you, you, you had an unplanned pregnancy 
And as a result of it, your life got completely flipped upside down. And it leaves you asking this question, God, what do you have for my life? What am I gonna do? And whatever it is, we all have these moments in our life whenever things work out in a way that we would have never planned for in a ways in ways that we couldn't expect. And so today we're gonna be looking at the story of Daniel and we're gonna see this in the life of Daniel. And I think the thing about Daniel is everybody kind of wants to put this pretty bow on the story, but the story of Daniel is very tragic. We read earlier, but um, when, when uh, Jerusalem was besieged by the Babylonians, Daniel was about 14 years old at this point. So at the age of 14, Daniel was stripped away from everything he ever knew and everything he ever loved, including his family and his friends and his community and his culture and the places where he would gather for worship and all the things that would be familiar to him are gone in an instant, they're gone overnight. And so then he has marched into Babylon. And then when he gets there, he's made to be a eunuch. If you don't, if you don't know what that is, you can Google it, just be careful. But he's made to be a eunuch so that he can serve for this evil king. But when he gets there, one of the first things that they do for him and his friends is they change their name. They change their names to names that, that bring dishonor to the God that they, they know and have loved and have served. And they bring honor to these, these Babylonian gods. This was done in an attempt to destroy them of their truest identity of who they were in Christ. So we're gonna pick up the story starting in verse eight. We're gonna read eight through 15. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who assigned your food and your drink for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age so that you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and only water to drink. That sounds miserable. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter. And then he tested them for 10 days. And here's the result. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and they were fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. I mean, there's so many amazing things that we can gather just from these short verses alone. But there's three things in particular that stick out to me. And if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is this, is that Daniel resolved. Daniel resolved. And, and if you think about the word resolve, what does it mean? The word resolve means firmly determined to do something. A word we've been using with our students lately is this word pre-decide. That Daniel pre-decided that he was not going to eat the food that the king gave him or drink the wine that the king gave him. But, but why? Because it went against the law of his God. But here's the thing to know that it went against the law of God. He had to know God's law. And I attribute this to the, to the way that he was brought up, to the way that, that he was raised, that at the age of 14, that he had God's law written in his heart in such a way that he knew that this would go against it. 
So parents, it starts in the home. If we wanna raise our kids with integrity and good moral character and, and biblical knowledge, then it starts with us and absolutely the church is gonna come alongside of you and support you. And we see this every week in, in our Ridge students and with our Ridge kids. But it starts in your home. And I get it, man, it's tough. It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of patience. If you ever wonder if you were a patient person, try to teach your kid to do anything at all. And it will take so much longer than you could have ever imagined. And it requires grace and patience. And then in the same way, when we're teaching them the ways of Jesus and we're trying to teach them about integrity, it takes grace and it takes patience. The second thing we're gonna see is this, is that Daniel resisted. Daniel resisted the temptation to conform to the Babylonian culture that was around him. And so we talk about this idea in our groups a lot. It's follow, believe, and transform. Follow, believe, transform. Follow is pretty simple. We know what it is. We all do it. We do it with celebrities. We do it with our friends, our family members, whoever. We, we see what they do, and then we, we kind of imitate it. So we dress like they dress. We talk like they talk. We wear what they wear. We, we, we eventually do the things that they do. The next step is pretty simple as well. It's believe you are faced with an idea. It's represented as either truth or not truth. You have to make the decision, do I believe or do I not believe? Do I believe that God's word is true, right? This last step is where it gets a little bit complicated though. And it's this idea of, of transform. Do I believe it so much that it transforms my life in a way that it changes the way that I live? And my fear, my fear for us is that we get stuck in this belief phase where it's like, yes, I know God's word is true. I know that, that it, it's without error. But when it comes to the hard areas of my life, of how am I gonna set my priorities and my family? How, how am I gonna deal with my marriage? How am I gonna handle my finances? Do I believe God's word enough that it transforms, that it changes the way in which I live my life? And so you might be asking yourself, how do I live a transformed life? And that is a great question. And Romans 12 gives us the answer to that. And you'll notice here on the bottom, I put the uh, King James Version because that's, that's a version that was kind of written on my heart as a young age. So Romans 12, one and two says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the ESV says spiritual worship there. Then it says, and be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how do we live a transformed life? We renew our minds and we see this in the life of Daniel consistently that he is renewing his mind before God. And, and I've got to say that, that there is a difference between reading your Bible and renewing your mind. And we have to get before God daily and we have to renew our mind. See, what I love about Daniel is that he had his foot so firmly planted in his faith and what he knew to be true about God that it allowed him to walk into the culture that was around him to be completely surrounded and immersed into the culture and not be conformed by the culture, but change the culture that was around him. But the thing is this, in order to influence the culture that is around us, that we have to get into the culture. We can't be conformed by it, we have to get into it. And I get it guys, this is hard. 
it, it's hard to, to wanna stand out, to be different. And it's easier just to kind of stay secluded in our, in our Christian bubbles. But listen, God calls us to this, that we are to go out into the world and reach those who are far from Christ. And listen, guys, I am preaching to myself here just as much as I am you. So we see that Daniel resolved, Daniel resisted. And the last thing we're gonna see here is that Daniel received. That Daniel received giftings and abilities from God to interpret dreams and visions. And he gave him supernatural understanding. And we're gonna see these giftings play out all throughout the life of Daniel. And actually here at the end of the chapter, Daniel 1 uh, ends with Daniel and his friends and they go before King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of their kind of uh, three-year schooling. Uh, basically what happened was once they were taken in, they, they were inundated into this program where they would teach them all about the Babylonian ways. And you can read it in chapter one. But, um, and so this university type of thing, it lasted about three years. And so here is the end result of that starting in verse 20. And it says, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And I think that is so amazing. It's so amazing to see the work that God does in and through Daniel. And that same God wants to do a work in and through you. So what, what giftings, what, what abilities has God given you that you're not fully walking in right now? Because I believe that if, if you don't walk into those giftings and you don't walk into those abilities that God has given you, then you will never truly experience the full potential of what it is that he has for your life. And so uh, kind of a way to, to wrap up chapter one here. I saw this quote from my uh, pastor, Chris Hodges, and I just wanna read it to you. I think it sums up Daniel chapter one really well. He says this, he says, when we follow God's guidance and we're living according to his purpose for our lives, we will be tested. We will be tempted to give up, to take the easy way out, to run away from trouble. But those tests become stepping stones to growing stronger and stronger, to becoming all that God wants us to be. And there's Daniel chapter one. And now we're gonna spend the rest of our time together in Daniel chapter six. So go ahead and flip over in your Bibles or you can scroll down in your devices to Daniel chapter six. And as you're, you're looking for that, it's important to know this. There's about 65 years that pass in this time frame. So Daniel is roughly about 80 years old at this time. And, and if you're asking, hey, uh, what happened in two through five? Well, one, I hope that you've been reading along with our, our Bible reading plan because it actually covered through the book of Daniel this week, which is pretty cool. And the, the second thing is this, that everything that you saw in, in Daniel chapter one, Daniel will continue to resolve. He will continue to resist and he will continue to use the gifts that God gave him to serve his God. And so now we're gonna be transitioning to Daniel six here. We're gonna start out, we'll read the first three verses. And so it starts out, it pleased Darius. And so what you have to understand is that this is now the, the fourth 
like empire that Daniel was serving under. So we have a new king here. The, the other one was Nebuchadnezzar. Now we're at King Darius. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was within him. There's kind of a theme here you see throughout the life of Daniel and, and that's, that's this. And so I'm gonna summarize uh, verses four through, through nine here. So Daniel was made to be one of the top three guys and we just, we just read about it. We saw that Daniel was there. And the reason he's there is because there's an excellent spirit that is in him. Right, so then what happens is um, there's these other high officials and, and satraps and governors and stuff, they, they become jealous of Daniel. Probably thinking to themselves, how in the world is this foreigner? Remember, Daniel was in captivity still at this point. How in the world is this foreigner in closer standing with the king than we are? And so what they do is they say, hey, let, let's, let's dig up some dirt on Daniel. So they go through his Facebook and his Instagram and all of his different social media stuff. And they go through the old archives and they look and they search. And in 6.4, it says that they could find no fault in him. And that's amazing. But I, I started to think about that. Is, could that be said of me? Could that be said of you? And anyways, the, the story continues. And so... They do say, we do have this caveat though. There is this one thing that we can do. We can use it in the ways in which he obeys the law of his God. So they gather all the high officials and the satraps and all these upper people and they come together and they come up with this idea and they say, hey, we're, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna say, hey, we're gonna bow down to the king, King Darius for about 30 days. And if anybody bows to another person or another God in that time frame then they are gonna be thrown into the lion's den. And so then they, so they, they have this plan, they get together, they come to the king and it's like, oh, King Darius, live forever, your majesty, you're so amazing. We have this idea that we wanna bring this before you. And so they have this petition that they make before the king that to, to set this decree. And so they, they present the idea to the king and, and the king has to think about it for a little bit. And I'm sure he's thinking to himself, I mean, it's only 30 days. People are gonna worship me. They'll write songs about me. They'll bow down to me. I mean, it's, it's not forever. It is kind of enticing. And so he eventually caves to this and he, he signs the decree, but not only that, he puts an injunction on it and putting the injunction on it meant that he could not reverse this, that he could not change his mind on it. So Daniel finds out about this and let's see what his response is in Daniel 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows and his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees to pray and give thanks to his God as he had done previously. The result of that prayer is that Daniel is now thrown into the lion's den. But was, was it ever a question? Was it ever a question to Daniel whether he was gonna pray or not? It wasn't because it says there that he knelt down and prayed three times a day as he had done before. So Daniel had the rhythm established in his life to meet with God in such a way whenever hard times come 
that he was prepared. It was already part of his rhythm. He was already in it. And so for us, when hard times come and they are coming, when it's gonna get harder and harder to pray, are we gonna pray? And, and I think the funny thing about it is we see this story of Daniel and we kind of think to ourselves, oh, of course I would pray. Of course I would pray in this situation. I guess my question is, are, are we praying now? And so at the beginning of this, um, at the beginning in chapter one, we looked at three things that, that Daniel did. And now in chapter six, we're gonna look at three ways that God works in and through Daniel. And if you're taking notes, the first is this, that God positioned Daniel. God positioned Daniel. And we know this because it says that Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials. Why? Because of the excellent spirit that was in him. And I started to think about this though. And, and if you read chapter one, like Daniel could have potentially made it to the position that he ended up in by his own efforts, because it says at the beginning that they were looking for young, attractive males without blemish, which is found in chapter one, of whom Daniel was one. So Daniel looked the part and potentially could have worked his way there. But I think that if he could have done that and most likely couldn't have, then it, it would be like paddling a boat upstream where you, you just try so hard to muscle your way through it. And you try to white knuckle your way there and then if you do get there, which you most likely won't, you get to the end and you say, this is it? This is what I worked so hard for? But the opposite is this, whenever God positions you, it's like the wind that comes behind a sailboat and it pushes you through and it guides you through and storms are gonna come, but he's gonna guide you through it and he'll be with you through it. And where he goes, you go. And where you go, he goes that God will be with you through it. And I think for, for Daniel, he had this secret. And, and if we look in Philippians 4, 11 and 12, I think it, it really helps us understand that. It says, um, it's Paul talking, he says, for I have learned whatever situation I am to be content, for I know how to be brought low, I know how to bound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. And I think the secret is this, it's, fulfillment in Christ. It's a purpose-filled life that goes after the things that God wants for you. And, and another thing I love that just sticks out is that Daniel never let his age determine what he could or couldn't do. See, at the age of 14, that Daniel resolved. And now at the age of 80, Daniel continues to do the work and I love that because it goes completely against our retirement culture that says, hey, work really hard and then go and kick your feet up somewhere. Now there's nothing wrong with a great vacation, but come back and be ready to work because guess what order guys, I need you. I need you in my life to help me be a better husband, to help me be a better father, to help me be a better leader. Older ladies, I hesitate to say that. Older ladies are, are women, they need you. Our moms need you, our, our, our single women need you. Women who are walking through long, tough, difficult roads, they need you in their life and, and you matter. You have a purpose, each and every single one of you from the youngest to the oldest, you have a purpose, you matter, we need you. But maybe this, maybe God has positioned you somewhere where you don't wanna be in. Whether it's your school, or your job, 
or maybe just in, in your neighborhood, but God has positioned you there. I want you to take heart and know that God has put you there for a reason that you have a purpose, that God wants to do a work in and through you and he has chosen you to do that work and placed you where you are. The second thing we see is this, um, is that God preserves Daniel. God preserves Daniel. And I started to think about this word preserve and and I'm not a foodie. So I had to do a little research on this, but I started to think about preservatives. I thought about salt and what salt does to food. And from my understanding um, and little Google search that when you put enough salt on food, it creates this barrier around the food. And it kind of acts as a protective agent around the food. And what this does, it allows the food to remain at its initial integrity. And, and I think another thing that it does is that it, it doesn't allow the things that rot and kill and destroy to come into the food. And I, I think in the same way, we see this in, in Daniel by the work of, of God because Daniel, because God has, has preserved him. How do we know this? It says there's no fault found in him. So God has preserved his character. And so uh, Philippians 1, 6, if you go ahead and throw it up there, it says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And, and I love that verse because, um, man, growing up, I, I heard it say this way. Maybe I didn't actually hear it, but I heard it, if that makes sense. It's that God alone can save you, but it's up to you to maintain your salvation. I wanna encourage you today that God not only saves us, but that God sustains us. That it is God who is doing a work in and through us and it takes effort on our part, but it is ultimately him who is at work through us. And so the last point we're gonna see here is that God provided, God provided. And to get to this point, we need to go to the end of the chapter. So six twenty-one through 23 says, then Daniel said to the king, and this is, uh, sorry, a little back up. Um, this is whenever he is in the lion's den. So this is the next morning. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So we see that God provided. In this situation, God provided an angel to shut the mouth of a lion. But in the same way, there's a real and live active enemy and God has shut his mouth. He is roaring around like a lion seeking whom he may devour, but it doesn't say that he is devouring, but he is seeking who devour because that same God who rescued Daniel is the same God that has provided a way of escape for us and has provided a way of rescue. So I wanna ask this question again, how do we live the life that God wants for us when we don't get what we want. Daniel, how did you live the life that God wanted for you when you didn't get what you wanted? 
I think if Daniel were here today and able to stand on the stage, I think he would say, you're missing the point. I did get the life that I wanted because it was the life that God wanted for me. And he was with me every step of the way when I was taken into captivity. He was there whenever I was in the lion's den. He was there whenever I went before the kings and the rulers. He was there. That God is with us every step of the way. And I think that the point of the story of Daniel is to point to something greater. It's to point to someone greater, which is Jesus himself, who laid down his life for you and for me, and he paid for the final penalty of our sins. And and he said, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So, Daniel says, you wanna know the answer to a purpose-filled life, to a life that is full of joy? Lose your life. The answer to life is to lose your life. And because of the death that Jesus died, we can now live a life that is full and complete and abundant in him. But what's it require of us? It requires surrender it it requires a laying down and so we're gonna um we're gonna end our time together this morning in worship in response to god but but I, i want you to to consider what we've talked about what what we've learned and i want you to take a look at your life and and those things in your life they just have a hold on you. And, and I just wanna ask you to consider to surrender those to God. See, maybe for you, you, you have faced a devastating loss. You've experienced something unimaginable and I am so sorry for that. But as a result of that, you, you have pulled back away from God because it's just easier to keep the distance between you. But God is waiting with open arms to welcome you back in. And and maybe for you, you just let something else in your life rob the affection and the devotion that belongs to Jesus alone. And I'm telling you this, guys, there is nothing else that will satisfy you, that will fulfill you, that will give you life like Jesus can. So none of these things will measure up. So I wanna take a minute here and whatever it is, we wanna surrender. I'm gonna give us a time to, to respond in Jesus. And then my hope is that our response to that is that we worship and we sing like never before that Christ would be made greater and be magnified in every area of your life. So let's go ahead and we're gonna stand to our feet and worship students lead the way in this. We're creation suddenly out to live with a thousand tons to lift one. Then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified. 
right here in this moment, that right now as we sing these words, that we can surrender all. That we can take all the hurt, all the pain, and we can lay it at the foot of the cross. That we can lay it at the foot of Jesus right here, right now. so thankful for you guys being here this morning and we look forward to seeing you this week at Big Kick. Have a wonderful week.